Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Mel, our co-host. Mel, great to see you. Same to you, Davey. We have an incredible interview today. Molly Huffman is just in a heart-wrenching story, heartbreaking, so many different types of grief that she had to walk through. And yet to sit with her and hear her hope is just, wow. Wow. I agree. I I think... um, when you encounter a person who has been through wave after wave of suffering, like mm-hmm. it wasn't just one thing, but it was just um, a domino effect. Mm-hmm. And uh, and to uh, be so near to Jesus through it all. And um, yeah, I loved her definition of lamenting. And I think as a Christian, I, um, I've, I always feel like this need to um, revere the God and um, mm. I can worship him, but I can't truly, I can tell my sin to him, but I can't really tell him how I feel about him because he just needs to be respected and revered. And mm. um, I think that there's something so precious about being so real and honest with God. And um, if I'm angry, c- confess all that because he knows it anyways, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And truly, you just said a word, lament, that is uh, can be really foreign to us, especially in American Western culture. We don't understand lament. I mean, w- we tend to just like, okay, I'm just going to like move on and, and, and get going. But there is an aspect in which when you walk through suffering, you walk through some kind of loss or trial, you have mm-hmm. to, you have to feel it. You have to sit in the grieving process enough and wrestle with it with God in order to walk through healing. And so these next two episodes that we're going to do, one is with Molly Huffman, this one that you're about to listen to, and the next one with Aubrey Sampson, uh, kind of take on a theme of lament. Uh, we're doing almost like a little mini series, I guess you could, but but <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's important for us to understand the concept of lament because it's not something that is woven into, we don't learn how to lament in our culture, but it's something that is spoken about over and over and over in scripture. And it's... Well, I mean, yeah, a whole book of the Bible has been dedicated to it. That's exactly right. Yep. And so when you learn about the Jewish customs of lament and how God set up, you know, some uh, some construct for them to be able to walk through their grieving seasons and then be able to move through it well, I think the reason we get stuck so many times is because we don't truly understand what it looks like to wrestle with the Lord in those spaces of lamenting. And so that's why I'm so glad that we're, we have these two interviews, uh, the next two that are going to really help bring insight into this idea of lament. I agree. First though, before we jump in, we have a couple of reviews from the podcast. I love reviews. We love <laughs> hearing your reviews, list, reading your reviews, hearing your feedback from stuff. I mean, it's Always so helpful. And so, Mel, I know you have one. I'll read one as well. Why don't you go ahead and read the one that you have in front of you? Sure. Yeah. Um, So this is from one of our listeners. She said, I've been a faithful listener since the very beginning. Honestly, I'm thrilled that Davey and his group went to weekly podcasts because I look forward to them each and every Thursday. Mm. I've dealt with my own seasons of pain and heartache over the years. And while I'm beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel, I still learn so much through the stories and teachings. They inspire me, they encourage me, they help me grow spiritually, Hmm. and I've used what I learned to help those around me. It truly is hope in your headphones. Thank you for all your work in this ministry. Wow, that's so good. That's so good. You know, I'll be a little bit vulnerable and honest for a second, kind of in commenting to that. Christy and I had a conversation the other day where we just found ourselves in a space where we were pretty tired and exhausted, Mm -hmm. and part of it was 
the consistency of hearing people's pain stories over mm. and over and over. I mean, that's what we do. We are now, when I go and preach somewhere, we're sharing our story. And so we have a long line of people who will come up and share their mm. stories of pain with us. And while we're so grateful for that, sometimes it can get a little bit wearing on your soul. Absolutely. And it, Christy and I were talking about this and we we're like, man, this is just like so difficult sometimes to hear all of the heart-wrenching things that are going on in people's lives and in this world. And I don't know how to carry this. I don't know what to do with this. And and we just had this almost epiphany where we reframed it, where we, we decided, you know, we're not going to look at this as just walking people through pain. We're going to look at this as discipling people in their walk with Jesus. Mm. Our ministry is a discipleship ministry. We just happen to intersect you oftentimes where you found yourself in the middle of a valley. And when we reframed that, it was like, oh, you know what? It felt a little bit lighter. And we knew that we could kind of cast that on Jesus at his feet and, and recognize that it doesn't matter if you're, you may not be walking through something difficult mm-hmm. right now, but the topics that are discussed in this podcast, the guests that we have, their, um, you know, how, how firm they are and secure they are and resolved they are in their faith encourages you no matter what kind of season you find yourself in, whether you're in the middle of a valley, coming out of a valley or going into one. Um, it's a really helpful thing. So yeah, well, Davey, I want to say just as a evidence of grace in your life, um, I think that you guys do. You guys are constantly hearing um, and being faced with um, hard things, mm. and people are sharing those um, with you, um, the hardest, um, most trying parts of their lives. And I feel like uh, something that I've seen the Lord gift you and Christy with is just long suffering. That mm. um, that's been woven into your story, but it is truly a grace in your life that God has given you a gift. And I think that it's why you're able to minister and receive um, and continue on in this wow. ministry. Well, thank you, Mel. Thank you for that. Yeah. That's so encouraging. <laughs> but the other thing that really encourages us encourages us to keep going is when we hear your stories. So yeah. I have another review of someone Let who wrote it. in, uh, and they titled it Transformational. At a time when I was actually doubting God, this podcast changed my view on God and my life. I became engrossed in listening about Amanda and all the people who faced all these incredibly hard times, yet found ways to love Jesus more than ever. I'm thankful the Lord sent me to listen to this and chased me down through this ministry and the people who spent time sharing their hearts. Mm, wow, what a, what a awesome. picture. Chased The Lord chasing you down through this ministry. Praise the Lord. That's, a, that's amazing. Um, Because that's no work in and of ourselves. I mean, that's God just doing His thing in all of this. And so, man, thank you so much for sharing your stories and your testimonies through this and reviewing this. It really is helpful to get this podcast out to more and more people who are going through difficult times. Share the podcast. um, Share it on Instagram as you're listening to it. Uh, We'd love to kind of uh, repost that or like shoot that along in our Instagram stories as well to show other people that, you know, there is a resource here that can be hope in your headphones. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you're anything like me. I love every single guest. I'm always like, this is my favorite episode. No, this is my favorite <laughs> episode. Um, but we would love to hear from you, our listeners, that um, if you have any suggestions um, of types of guests or specific guests, yeah. we would love to hear. Um, if you know somebody that has a story that could be really impactful and um, that uh, we would love to have them on the podcast, yeah. we would... Um, prayerfully consider them. And so email us at hello at nothingiswasted.com. And we would um, love to hear more about their stories. So we're going to jump into this episode with Molly. So let's have a listen.
Molly, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for driving all the way up from Lexington. Yes. Just for this, I'm just sure. Just for this. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. No. <laughs> You've got some <laughs> stuff in town that just happened to work out. That's great. Yeah, it's perfect. That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about Molly Huffman. Tell us about your your family and where you guys, uh, where you live, what you do. And uh, then I want to dive into your story because it's, it's, an, it's an incredible story, but one marked with a lot of pain um, and, and a lot of resilience, a lot of faith a lot of hope and and healing that's come out of it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am originally from Indianapolis, the Indianapolis area, but um, a couple years ago moved to Moorhead, Kentucky, which is just outside of Lexington. And um, the biggest shock was that Target is 50 minutes away. (laughs) And I'm still struggling with that. Hailing from Indianapolis. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you have everything within 10 minutes and you're like, "Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... um, I'm in recovery over that, but, I bet. um, and I'm married to, um, a fabulous guy named Guy <laughs> and, uh, we have two daughters and, um, a five month old son and, uh, the daughters are 10 and 13 and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been, um, it's been a really restorative season. Mm. So, um. I'm excited to share more about that. Wow. Yeah. Restorative. What a choice word for that. Um, maybe, maybe God got you way outside in the, into the boons to provide some healing and restoration. I keep, Christy keeps asking, like begging me for us to like, let's go get some land and let's move way out of the city. And I'm like, but I love people. I (laughs) actually love traffic. And I I like, what? (laughs) I don't mind traffic and roundabouts around here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's been an adjustment, but I, I do, I do think God had purpose in pulling me out of the city and, yeah. and into a little more country space. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your family is wonderful. And I do love the word that you chose restorative because you've walked through some tremendous trial. Yeah. Um, as we sat and talked a little bit about your story, I just couldn't believe the burden that you carried for, for so many years. Yes. Um, and all the different things that transpired kind of back to back to back in, in your story. So why don't you back up and kind of start from as close to the beginning as you can for yeah. us and tell us a little bit about, about your story. Well, um, I grew up in the Indianapolis area um, with parents and three sisters. And, um, you know, my childhood was was pretty great. And um, I met Jesus when I was five and... Um, I sort of had this bargain that apparently I made with him that I didn't I didn't think that I had made in my mind but hmm. I thought if I am good if I follow you if I do what I'm supposed to do then you will give me what I want and what I wanted was just to be a wife and a mom and live around my family and um you know kind of make a little heaven on earth yeah. and um so I thought, you know, that's not too much to ask. A lot of people get to have that. Right. So that was my plan. Um, well, when I was um, 23 years old, um, I had just gotten married. And um, my mom, who was my best friend, um, called one day when I was um, away and, and told me that her cancer was back and um, that it had spread, it didn't look good. And... Um, about four months later, she was gone. And so with her, you know, some of those dreams that I had had yeah. of having her around as a grandma and, yeah. um, you know, just our our 
nuclear family mm. exploded all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and so that was the first time in my life that I had to, um, well, that I questioned God, you mm-hmm. know, like if I've, I've tried my hardest Lord to, to follow you, why would you take the person who means the most to me? Right. And, um, and I really didn't get an answer other than just my grace is mm. sufficient. And, um, so for the next year I, um, grieved pretty profoundly and, you know, I, I tried alcohol, I tried shopping, I tried all these things to numb the pain and nothing was really working. You know, mm-hmm. the next morning I would, I still was suffering. And yeah. so, um, one day I, I remember picking up the Bible and I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, let's see God, <laughs> yeah. let's see, um, you know, if there really is something in here for me. And, and I read a passage that I'd read so many times that was Jesus hanging on the cross and, uh, the people who were there were all these women, um, Mary, his mother was included and Joseph was nowhere listed in this list of of people. And so for the first time I thought, okay, if you love me and you allowed me to experience this loss of someone that you, you experienced, then perhaps I can trust you. And it was really, it was a pivotal moment in my relationship with, with the Lord because, um, I hadn't had to question yeah. his goodness yeah. before, and um, that's so, that's fascinating. That you know, I don't think we stop and consider that sometimes. That Jesus's earthly father um, died in quote unquote untimely death. I mean, sure. all death is untimely, right? But you know, he he wasn't around for Jesus's crucifixion, mm-hmm. which was at age thirty three. Mm-hmm. So that means that at a fairly young age for Jesus, he somewhere within that 12, which mm-hmm. is the other, the last time we hear about Joseph yep. in, in 33, Joseph passed away. He's not there. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget the fact that um, Jesus experienced the same type of grief that we experience on yes. earth. That scripture says we have a high priest that can empathize mm-hmm. and uh, he knows what it means to walk through that. Right. Wow. It is, wow. it is profound that God himself has experienced the sufferings and griefs that we experience, mm. you know, no, no other God claims that as far as I know, yeah. I could be wrong. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's know? exactly, that's the difference between Christianity and all the other major world religions is that, you know, everyone else, all the other gods are basically saying, this is what you have to do to get to me. Yes. And, and, and our God, Jesus, he said, here's what I'm going to do to get to you. Yeah. I'm going to wrap myself in flesh. I'm going to expose myself to all the elements of humanity, including all the suffering and trial. Yes. And scripture even tells us that he learned obedience through suffering. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, Jesus had to learn obedience? Right. Well, I thought he was God. I thought he was how does, God. <laughs> yeah, how does this? But it's, but it's this, you know, this um, willingly putting himself in a place of suffering so that he could truly empathize mm-hmm. with us and understand and give us an example for how to walk through it. Yes. And so if I know that I'm, if that's the God that I'm following, yeah. if that's the God that I'm serving, um, that empowers me yeah. to, to wow. trust him with whatever he's allowing in my life. Mm. And so... Um, so that is what I took away yeah. um, from that particular loss. Yeah. So your mom passes away and you're really wrestling through that, but that was definitely not the the end of right. some of the trials that you... It almost feels like that was the start of a domino effect. It was. It yeah. absolutely was. Um, I, um, 
you know, I did struggle a bit with with even my dad getting remarried eventually um, and having a stepmom. You know, that was not part mm. of my plan. And I love her. Um, and you know, I it was it was hard for me at first, though, yeah. and so um, so that was uh, something new. Um, mm. After a few years of marriage, um, my husband and I tried to have um, a child, and our first um, pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. And again, it was just devastating because, um, you know, from the moment I knew that there was a, a child to be born. You start planning and you are excited about, you know, right. the timing and and just starting your family. And um, and so it was um, just another loss. And my mom wasn't there to help me walk through it, you know, which compounded yeah. the loss. Yeah. Um, and and I do think, you know, miscarriage is it's the loss of a person that you loved, but you never got to meet. Yeah. And that's a hard yeah. grief. Um and so, you know, after that time, we we waited about a year, and um, and then I was pregnant again, and um, so Tage Thomas was born um, in March of 2014, mm. and uh, he was beautiful and wonderful, and I um, just thought, okay, this is it. I'm finally getting all mm. the things um, that I want, and uh, so things progressed just fine. And then when he was about six months old, um, we started to notice some things were significantly off. Um, he wasn't smiling. He wasn't making eye contact. Um, and he wasn't growing, um, at the rate that we had hoped. And so, um, long story short, we, uh, were told that he had a genetic disease, um, called Lay's disease and, um, that it, it would be terminal. Um, it was very rare, and uh, but of the cases that were documented, children didn't live past a year. And and wow. I can just remember standing in the hospital, uh, you know, just like Lord, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? And and uh, I, I I just was in agony over the road that He was calling me to walk. Mm you know, because there was going to be this anticipation of what was to come. And I thought, Lord, I can't, I can't do this. Like, how do I take this child home knowing that he's going to be gone? And, um, and so, wow. uh, so we took him home and he had a G tube to eat at that point. Um, and so, you know, now I was experiencing having a child who had some special needs, which yeah. was something again, that, was not part of my plan. Um, and yet God used those two months that I had with him um, to to just understand how uh, the parents of children with special needs, mm. uh, they love their child, yeah. you know? And I just, I wanted everyone to not look at my son as this kid who has a G2, but but he's my son yeah. and I love him. And and what I really learned about God in, in that season too was, you know, Tage couldn't talk. He couldn't do anything mm -hmm. that would make me proud of him. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't going to wow. earn awards. Yeah. He wasn't going to be, uh, you know, he, he, he couldn't do anything. He just sat there yeah. looking cute, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, um, and, and that's how God sees right. us. You know, we don't have to, 
earn his love. Mm. If we do nothing for him, nothing, he will still yeah. love us yeah. so fiercely. Wow. And um, so wow. Tage ended up um, passing away in November of 2014. And, um, and it was agony. There's, yeah. there's just no word around it. Um, yeah, it's not even like the time that you, you knew it was going to happen, but that couldn't even prepare you for it. No. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just watching a child suffer, there's oh, just, man. there's just nothing like it. Yeah. Um, and, but I have to say that during that time, God's presence became so real mm. to me. Lean it, lean in on that a little bit, because this is the, this is the thing that I hear so often, and I experience it as mm-hmm. well, when you're in the midst of this like dark, dark moment, and for you, it had up to this point been a series of dark moments where you, but you find yourself sensing and feeling God's presence in a palpable way that yes. is beyond anything you've ever experienced. Talk to me about yeah. that. How, what was that like? What would you, what, what did it mean to experience? If you're explaining that to somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't know what it feels like to experience the presence of God, what is that? Well, um, you know, the Bible says that the the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Mm. And and I used to think like, okay, so does that mean he's not close to people who aren't sad? You know, but we know that's not true because we know that he is everywhere. You know, yeah. he's with all of us. But I sensed that that he in my pain came close enough that he could whisper to me. Mm. You know, like he was just so close that he could whisper to wow. my soul in ways that I had never experienced before. And, um, you know, it might be in reading scripture, you know, I think one of the the best gifts about experiencing suffering and, and tragedy is that we get the opportunity to dive in mm-hmm. to God if we want, you know, right. and, and we don't have to do that in those moments. But if we do, you know, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. And so, you know, in it's when I'm at the end of my rope, when I finally decide to seek him sometimes, you know? And so I think in those moments, I am ready to dive into scripture. Mm -hmm. I want, I just talk to him throughout my day. Um, and, and, there are these stirrings in yeah. your heart where you just there's truth jumping out at you, yeah. and and you are like, oh my gosh, I've I've read that before, or I've heard that before, but now it's real to you because mm. you need it. It yeah. is like life and water to you. Yeah. Um, and so for me, mm. scripture just started to come right. alive. It almost becomes like a tunnel vision, like your mind becomes so clear and focused on what really matters and focused on, on the Lord and his presence as you're seeking him, you know, it's like what you said, Jesus promised, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. I was reading Matthew 14 the other day, Matthew 14 is the chapter where Jesus goes away to grieve the loss of John the Baptist. And then the crowd follows him and he feeds the 5,000 and, you know, basically out of his greatest misery comes his greatest public ministry, this miracle that happens mm-hmm. out of this. And they send the disciples across and they go to this place called Gennesaret. And it says that they're in this little small passage at Gennesaret that all they had to do was reach out and touch his cloak and they would be healed. And it was like, the Lord hit me. It was like, wait, 
all we have to do is reach out. Mm. Like we just reach out yes. for Jesus in these moments. And scripture says in James, draw close to him and he'll draw close to you. You know, the invitation has been put out there. If we draw close, he promises to meet us in that space. And he does. Yeah. I mean, you know this too. Mm-hmm. I, I experienced it. Um, you know, that he, he promises it. Like it is the truth. Yeah. I just, it's amazing. Wow. You know. Wow. So you're in this space of, um, you know, now grieving uh, the loss of of your little boy, and um, and and this, you know, there are statistics that that talk about how volatile then a relationship, a marriage, can be after miscarriage yes. or losing a child, and um, and and you guys experience some some hardship through that in your marriage. Yeah, talk to me about that. So, um, after a couple months after Tage passed away, we got, um, the genetic results back, Mm. which were that if we had another child, there would basically be a 25% chance that the child would have this disease again. And, you know, 25% doesn't seem huge, but you're like, what if, you know? So I get it. My, my husband did not want to try anymore. Yeah. I think I just wanted to be a, a parent so badly that I was like, well, you know, possibly I could, yeah. you know, I wasn't no, sure. Real, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there, were there any complications or risks for you, uh, like in that same no. vein? Okay. No, it's, no risk it's whatsoever. Just, she it was, got pregnant again. Yep. It was okay. Just for the yep, baby. Just for the baby. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, we, you know, of course, determined, you know, we, we can't have another biological child if, if one of us doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, adoption was not on the table at that time. And so I remember just being like, Lord, what are you doing? Because this is my number one dream. And I had a child, you took him away. And now you're telling me I won't get to be a mother again. You know, it, it seemed so cruel on top of, all the pain that yeah. had already taken place. And, um, and so there, there was just a lot of pain and, um, in, in our lives at that time. Mm-hmm. And we went to a marriage retreat, um, for couples who had lost a child. Um, and it's called the respite retreat, um, put on by Nancy Guthrie and her mm-hmm. husband. Um, it's a great, great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we, poured into our marriage and, and, you know, promised to, to work on it and, you know, beat the statistics, which they told us at the retreat, this, that the statistics are actually not as high as it kind of is, is yeah, out there. But as the narrative yes, often, right. yeah, it gets portrayed. <laughs> but that being said, I thought, okay, we're going to beat this statistic. Yeah. Um, well, at the one year mark of having lost age, um, my husband, said that he needed to let me go. And it came out, um, it was just such a surprise. I, I didn't know where this was coming from. I knew we, we weren't feeling close, um, but, but it was a shock. Wow. And so we, I found a counselor and, um, and, and during a counseling session, he, uh, left one day and in the middle of a counseling session, yeah. just left. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I drove home, uh, you know, and during during the season of um, losing Tage, 
and grieving him that next year, I I learned what it means to lament. Mm. Um, you know, which which the Bible uses that word, and sometimes we we don't know exactly what that means, but but lamenting is basically pouring out your honest fears, angers, mm. anxieties to God, you know, just being raw with him, yeah. which which I hadn't been given permission to necessarily do as a kid very mm. often. You know, it was be joyful always, right. give thanks in all circumstances. Right. Um, and and so during the season of, of grieving Tage, you know, I read in the Psalms how David constantly is yeah. telling the Lord how he really feels. But the word that I loved that he often used was but. So he would say, mm. I, you know, Lord, why this? When are you going to do this? You know, and he's he's questioning, he's throwing things out there. And then he says, but, and after the word but is usually uh, reminders of who God is. Mm. And so, you know, but you are my strength, um, wow. you know, those types of, of things. And so I learned how to lament, like how to grieve, yeah. but with this hope, right. you know, of who God is. Um, during that season. And so as I'm driving home from the counseling office uh, and my husband has just decided to leave and I was the best lamenter at that point, I think, you know, I just like poured it out there to God um, and I had some words, some words for him, you Mm. know, and I think we need to remember that he can handle our words. Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, because he is the God who has experienced our suffering, he knows that we are human, you right. know, he knows of our emotions. And, um, and so my husband, um, moved out basically that night. And I just was like, Lord, are you kidding me? Like, wow. I can't, is this a joke? And, you know, like, I just, right. it blew my mind that, that this was really happening. And, um, and mm. so, um, I, I won't share a whole lot about that, but, um, but I did uh, eventually discover that um, that there had been some unfaithfulness, and mm. so um, it it was not at a place where where there was going to be um, any restoration of the marriage. Yeah. And um, you know, it it takes two people right. for a marriage, and um, and sometimes I think it's really hard for especially the Christian community when somebody wants out yeah. because I can't control anyone else's actions. Right, right. And it, it's just really, it was really difficult. Um, and to be honest, I, I had this piece of pride where, mm. you know, we weren't going to be the statistic mm. of the people that lost a child and then got divorced. You know, I was, I was kind of prideful about that, you know? And so then all of a sudden now what I'm going to be divorced. And it was a label that I just never, ever expected to wear. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we, um, sold the house and, uh, which was another loss. I love homes and making my home a, a home. And, and, um, and so it, it was, you know, just another death of something mm. to me. Um, so there I was at the age of 32, um, living in an apartment by myself, motherless, childless, divorced. And it just was not what I had ever envisioned for yeah. my life, yeah. you know, and and it felt like rock bottom. Mm. Um, but in 
that little apartment, God just continued to show me that he was not done with this story. Wow. And that I was not these labels and these roles, you know, that he calls me his, you know, um, and that he, he says, no, you are mine. Mm. You know, that is the most important, um, label. And, um, so again, just pressing into the word during that season and, and then waiting because Mm. I was like, oh my goodness, this slate is clean. Like what is life going to be now? You know? Um, Man. Okay. So Molly, what I want to do is I want to, I want to take a break and pause the story right there because I know the end of the story. The listener (laughs) doesn't know the end of the story, but it's one of so much uh, hope and redemption. But I want to, I want to take a moment when we come back from this break and talk some more in depth about some of these stages and layers of loss that you were dealing with, because your story is one of layers of loss. And I think this, I want to, I want to key in on this idea of lament, because I think that as we've seen, you know, typically it's not the first tragedy that takes someone out, so to speak, spiritually, Mm -hmm. you know, that drives someone away from the Lord. It's the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth layered on top of each other that makes them go, okay, wait, no, hold on a second. And oftentimes pain, trial, tragedy, it comes in waves of right. multiple. We say threes, threes for some reason. All, I don't know what it is either, but I've heard <laughs> yeah. that as well. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's a key to how you were able to still lean into the Lord with this idea of lament. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. I want to interrupt this amazing interview for just a few seconds to let you know about our Pain to Purpose video series. You may have heard us talk about it before, but if not, this is a video series we created to help you step-by-step as you navigate a tragedy, trial, or transition in your life. In the videos, I discuss practical ways to work through your pain, no matter the category it falls under, and how to find both meaning and purpose through it. We believe this video series can have a profound impact on you or a loved one. This can be a great resource if you lead a small group for your church or if you're looking for personal direction for your own life or if you have a friend in mind you think could use some help navigating a valley. If you fall into any of these categories and are interested in learning more or purchasing today, head to MyPainToPurposePlan.com. That's MyPainToPurposePlan.com. Now back to our conversation. Molly, I want to take some time. I want to dig into um, some of the seasons of of lamenting. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of working through and wrestling through things, especially when your when your son was sick or he got his diagnosis, and you just were struggling with trying to figure out how to sort through all this and deal with it. Uh, help me understand some of the some of the feelings that you had during that. Um, because I think those emotions are, are invitations uh, from the Lord to find him in that deeper space, mm-hmm. to bring into that lamenting. But really walk me through the difficulty of what that is. Because sure. you're sitting here in front of me, you're so, 
composed and poised. And it's like, <laughs> you know, this is what I walk through and I'm like, man, but what did you like? Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. It, it was intense. I would say that is the word for it. Um, when, uh, when we brought Tage home, uh, you know, we, we knew what, what was happening was the mitochondria in his cells, which is the life source of the cell energy, um, was deteriorating. And so basically, um, his, his brain was going to shut down. And so his, his body functions would continue to, to deteriorate. And so as soon as we brought him home within weeks, you know, we had a hospice team because technically he's in hospice. Um, you know, and there was this G tube and I had to learn how to, um, to, feed my child through a tube, which is again, something that, uh, there was a grief there, you know, that I just never envisioned, um, having to feed my child in that way. Um, and so the hospice team met with us one night and, um, and told us that, you know, and they could say it casually because they're used to it, but, you know, we're going to leave this medicine in your fridge when he has a seizure, you know, give him this medicine. Mm. And my heart rate shot through the roof. Mm. I, I actually, there was a nurse there and she took my blood pressure and she was like, you need to sit down um, because I had so much anxiety wow. about, you mean, I'm going to have to watch my baby seize and yeah. give him some medicine while he's, you know. And I just, I, I said to the Lord that night, I was like, no, mm. no. Like I cannot do that, right. and um, and so yeah, I think it was um, a grace that uh, we we never had a, a big enough seizure where he required mm. medicine, um, and you know, so so sometimes you know, you, what that meant is that he he passed away quickly. Mm. So in that case, you know, a death was a grace, mm. you know, if, if I, I didn't have to, to deal with the seizures as much. Um, wow. but, uh, but it is, it is, there's nothing like watching your child suffer. Yeah. Um, mm. and so yeah. this anxiety, um, you know, I kept going back to God, you know, I had learned from losing my mom, um, that God as we, as we like to say around here, doesn't waste pain. Yeah, like it's not right. going to be wasted. And so um, during this time when, when Tage was diagnosed, I started to blog mm. and it was mostly for myself. I wanted to keep people updated, but I, I also used it as a place to just process yeah. what are the truths that I know about God? Oh, wow. Here is what I'm experiencing. Here is what I'm feeling, but... Mm-hmm. This is what we know to be true about God. And um, someone gave me the devotional streams in the desert. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's a classic. Um, right. And I hadn't read it up, in, up t- until that point. And, and so I was at this party um, that was supposed to be this really happy time. And I had to leave because I just, there was a new baby there. And oh, I just, man. I couldn't stay there with, with the joy any yeah. longer, you know. And um, so I drove home. And, and I was just mad, you know, why, why Lord, would you allow this? And I went home and just opened that devotional to a random page. And I, I it was February 19th mm. and 
there was a part in it where uh, it talks about the heavenly gardener, you know, is walking through this garden and, the, and there's a girl and, and she's just overcome with all these um, trials and troubles in mm-hmm. her life. And, and they're walking past this garden and it's like dead. And, you know, she, she's asking the gardener, like, what's going on here? And he says to her, basically, this is what happens to a garden when it's not pruned and trimmed, mm. you know, it, it becomes useless and it, it dies. And so then the final question he asks her is, do you wish for me to cease pruning your life? Should mm. I leave you alone? Wow. And it says, the comforted heart cried, no. Wow. And I read that and I thought, okay, Lord, mm. like, if this is how you grow us, is mm. if this is how you help us to bear fruit is by trimming us and pruning us, you know, you're cutting away things, mm. but yet this is your, this is the way that you do it right. is through pain. Right. And so can I trust you with your knife? Wow. And that day I determined, yes, I can. Wow. And I just kept going back to that. Can I trust him with with his knife? Mm. Can I trust that he's going to bear fruit if he cuts it off? Yeah. You know, um, wow. that that pruning metaphor. I remember like sensing the same thing in my life when when my late wife passed away, Amanda. And then I, I tried to divide it in my mind logically and theologically. Like, okay, does that mean that that God? cut Amanda away? Is that what that means? You know, and then I had to start wrestling through that as a, you know, as a theodicy, you know, like my Mm -hmm. belief or my theology of pain and suffering. And, and what I came to is the fact that God um, allows pain and suffering, allows evil because of ultimately the brokenness of sin in the world, that that stuff is going to happen because of the brokenness of sin. He doesn't cause evil into our lives. But um, he will, and this was said on one of the podcasts that we had with Johnny Erickson Tata. It was an incredible qu- quote. She said, God will permit what he hates mm. to accomplish what he loves. That's amazing. And that God gives enough space for evil uh, to, to interact in this world so that it ultimately turns on itself because he doesn't always intervene by preventing, but he always intervenes by producing and so out of this, you know, what I'd landed on in the same, much the same way that, you know, I'm sure you felt in your spirit was like, he didn't cut this person necessarily away right. in this, in this sense. But what he did is he started cutting things away inside of me out of this pain yes. that produced then something that was great and beautiful yes. um, and helpful to other people right. as well. Well, and, and wow. you know, so many people can have things cut out of them by... An experience, right. you know. So, what he uses an experience to trim out of me could right. be different than, say, my husband at the time or my sisters, mm-hmm. you know, who were experiencing this loss of a nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I I think of it now, you know, okay, bearing fruit, all right, fruit of the spirit, you know, joy, patience, peace. When I think of the people who have those things, mm. it's people who've gone through suffering. That's right. Yep. And, you know, I think that the enemy of our souls wants us to think that we can just 
make a, a little perfect heaven here, mm. you know, and that we'll just, we'll, we'll pad our life and we'll, we'll be comfortable and, and what I wanted, I'll have my, my little family around me right. and just be safe, you mm. know, and, um, and really that's a lie because that's not where, where God's, um, best comes from, right. you know? This this is not our home. Yes. This earth is not our home. And, and so to to learn to fix our eyes on things above, right. you know, we need a complete eye surgery, yeah. you know, like we we aren't used to that. And yeah. and so I would say the the number one thing that all of this suffering produced in me was my eyes are set on things above wow. more now than they ever were. And I started to read um, you know, about heaven even. Yeah. And and, you know, our our culture doesn't really give sermons on heaven as often as and like should. the pilgrims well, we, did, right? you know? know, there used to be so many more sermons on heaven, yeah. um, you know, because of course, like if it's weird to think mm. about like walking on clouds and, you know, <laughs> well, that's nowhere in the Bible, right? <laughs> you know, so this picture of heaven that Hollywood has given us, yeah. you know, is not accurate. And so like, I love singing, but I could not get excited about singing in a choir for all of eternity. <laughs> all of eternity. You know, that's I what like, I was told growing up. I was like, this is what we're going to be doing in heaven all day long. I'm like, man, I, I love worship experience. I love going yeah. to worship nights. I'll do that for sure. hours on end, but not for eternity. Not days on end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let alone eternity. Right. And so, um, you know, for me, loss made me dig into what do the scriptures say about mm. heaven? And, um, you know, one of the the greatest things is just this idea of restoration, yeah. you know, that, that God's restoring the earth, mm. you know? And so it seems to me like heaven is going to be a lot more like earth right. as we know it than this floating on clouds right. business, yeah. you know? And, um, and what I really appreciate is that Jesus, after he appeared to the disciples in the upper room, you know, after he resurrected, he ate fish, which tells me mm. that our resurrected bodies can eat can food. Can still eat. <laughs> so hallelujah to that. I'm really that's excited about awesome. that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so true. Man, that's so true. And I feel like the, the people of the past, you know, uh, you mentioned like the pilgrims or even when you see like, you know, the old um, gospel songs that come out of like uh, the soul gospel yes. from like black slavery. Yes. Uh, there, it's so much talking about heaven and talking yeah. about the glory to come. And I think that people of the past, they, they walked through so much more suffering and pain and loss. And you read biographies of, you know, a hundred years ago and there's consistently stories of losing a child, you know, right. and losing very a common. spouse. Very common because mm -hmm. of all kinds of diseases that we now are able to cure just like that. And so there was this, this longing for, this looking to, this is not our home, it's somewhere else. This is not the place that we're going to rest our head. It's yes. somewhere else. And we can't find our joy and fulfillment here. It's somewhere else. And yet now we're so inoculated mm -hmm. with comfort, and with materialism and stuff that uh, Satan has us looking here on earth yes. for our fulfillment and doing exactly what you said at the very beginning, trying to set up your own little dream world. Right. And, right. you know, on earth. I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, as you started walking through the difficulty then with your marriage and, um, I mean, again, that's another layer on top of this. You, I would imagine you're, obviously your soul is desiring to lament this with your husband yes. and to really be in that together. And, um, you know, and then you 
felt and faced that that rejection. Yeah. How hard was it for you to, you know, I heard you articulate like realizing that there was so much of it that was his issue of not wanting to make this happen. Yes. But I'm sure you adopted a bunch of blame or shame or responsibility on yourself much more than what you needed to initially. What was that like? How did you have to sort through that? Well, you know, I will not say that I am a perfect person, a perfect wife. Um, and so, you know, I can 100% admit that, um, you know, it takes, it takes two to make a marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I, uh, realized that he was was leaving. Of course, you know my mind was like, "What did I do wrong?" Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I for a time I uh, did um, did things to try to to get him to change his mm. mind. You mm. know, and um, as as I look back now, I I almost feel sorry for myself because I just was trying so hard. Mm. And, um, and so I learned that I, um, rather than being in an interpersonal relationship, I, I was codependent, Mm. um, in that relationship. Um, you know, and, and so I think one struggle, you know, maybe even in the church is, is how we have idolized marriage. Mm. Um, because, you know, in my experience in the church, everyone assumes that you're going to get married and mm-hmm. then you're going to have kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, singleness is not um, made in the church or in culture as a, a great option. It's kind of like JV status. Yeah. Yes. Exa- yeah. That's Especially a great way to put church. it. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I think, I think part of, of that being, you know, raised with those messages, um, made me idolize marriage mm. in a way that I, I rushed into a marriage, I think, um, because I wanted to be married and have mm. kids by a certain age and my friends were getting married and, and, you know, and so yeah. I think, I think it was, it was eye opening for me to see like, okay, you know, I, I probably have idolized this. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, I wanted to make it work. Right. You know, right. and so so then there was this sense of, okay, despite all that, I can't make him stay. Mm. Um, and, and so there was um, a, a rejection. You know, mm-hmm. I, my mind started to think, okay, what about me was not good enough? Wow. Um, how could I have been better? you know, what, what was the one thing I could have done, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that those are lies because when it comes to love, there's not, um, one thing that you should have done, you yeah, know? Right. Um, and so, uh, it, but it was, it was, um, you know, I don't think any, I, I don't know if people in my life would have, would have said that there was anything wrong with my relationship, um, with him, but mm. I can see now that that there was a codependency there, mm. and so um, so it's been, you know, healing to to right. work through some of that. Well, then I'm sure in that season uh, of okay, now he's he's gone, he's left you, and you're you're left waiting, going, okay, what now? I'm like alone, and 
and feel like all of the dreams that you had for your life, family, all of that, it's destroyed. Yes. It's gone. I, I imagine God was doing some things there to really build your identity in him to yes. kind of help you reshape this, you know, coming out of this codependence to being yes. completely dependent on the Lord. And, you know, because of that, very independent of, of anybody else, um, understanding who you are in Christ. Can you talk to me a little bit about that, that time? Um, I would say the, the, the days when I was home alone during that season, yeah. um, you know, I would come home to an empty house, which I was not used to. Mm. And so processing the day, there's no one there to process the day mm -hmm. with, you know, yep. um, and realizing like, okay, um, you know, my friends are getting together with their spouses. They're all mm. getting together. Uh, and I don't have a spouse with me right yeah, now. Cause you guys had made couple friends, you right. know, and like, I mean, now you find yourself, you know, kind of. Yeah. Tagging along if you right. even decide Being to accept a third the invitation. Wheel. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it was interesting to experience not being a couple, you know, not having that that part of an identity. Yeah. However, I can specifically recall, you know, being in my home and like God became it does it sound weird to say God became like a husband? Like <laughs> You know, I would be unloading the dishwasher right, right. and I would just talk out loud to him, yeah. you know, and if someone saw me, they would think I was crazy, I'm sure. But like, <laughs> it was an incredible realization yeah. to to just be like, you know what, Lord? Okay, you are enough for me. Mm -hmm. That's right. Like, I had never believed that before. I always thought it had to be God plus a husband. Wow. God yeah. plus children, you know, mm -hmm. God plus whatever. Um, And it was it was healing yeah. to, to see... Okay, this thing that you say that you are enough for us, it's actually true. Wow. Um, wow. That's amazing. I remember having a similar experience, you know, after Amanda passed away going and and I I don't think it's weird at all for you to to be like, "Okay, God, you're you have to be my husband." Uh specifically because you think of Jesus and gender and all right, of that. Exactly. I remember going, "Okay, God, I can see that. <laughs> How are you going to be my wife?" There you go. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But at the end of the day, the principle is true that he yes. is enough. He yeah. is everything that we, this is the whole idea of I am. Yes. When he tells Moses, Moses is like, what should I tell him your name is? Well, I am. Right. What do you, what do you, you are what? I didn't, I didn't catch yeah. that last part. Hold on a second. You're. <laughs> I am. Fill I, in the blank. Yeah. I am. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Fill in the blank. Whatever you need. And so I, am. I needed, you know, it, it, um, it was Christmas time mm. and uh, I needed you know, my husband had been the person who uh, shoveled the driveway. Mm. And I was like, Lord, how are you going to shovel the driveway? Like, I've got, you know, like that's what he would do. Yeah. And wouldn't you know that some, uh, a father and son from our church oh, without wow. telling me just showed up in the driveway wow. and shoveled my driveway. Man. And so like there were so <laughs> many stories like that. That's awesome. Where, you know, I'd be like, Lord, I this is what I need right now. And this is what he would do. How, wow. how, how are you going to be that? Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, God's like, get involved in a church, yeah. get involved in community because you're going to see me through the hands yeah. and feet of the people wow. who love me, who, you know, are, 
are listening to what I'm telling them. Yeah. Go shovel Molly's driveway. That's so great. <laughs> you know? That's so, so great. Well, what I what I would encourage any listener out there who's going, hey, I kind of feel this prompting to do something for somebody. You have no idea on the other side of that prompting how someone is praying. Oh my gosh. And begging God to show them, are you real? Or do you care? Are you here? Yes. And you could be the manifestation of God answering their prayer. Right there. So don't, don't ignore that prompting. Absolutely. Ab- like so many times... I remember, um, you know, so one little thing that I loved was fresh flowers. Yeah. You know, just having some fresh flowers in the kitchen, a little thing that was just a delight. And I remember one day during this grief and living alone that I was like, oh, I haven't had any fresh flowers for a while. And I am not kidding you. 30 Mm. minutes later, my doorbell rings with a flower delivery. (laughs) Not kidding. From one... Of, like from an acquaintance. Wow. And I was just like, I mean, I wrote about it. Like, I know I'm not making this up. I, I didn't make this up in my mind because I wrote about it wow. the day that it happened. And I, like, so God is in the big things, yeah. but he's also in the little things. That's right. And, and if we ask him mm-hmm. to show us, and I think, you know, he, he is a tender God. He is going to be especially gentle and tender right. with the people who are going through great pain. Yep. And I think over and over, he showed me that during mm. that season. You know, now if I ask for flowers, they don't necessarily show up, but <laughs> you know, but then sometimes they do. So uh, anyway, wow. It, I think, I think that in our darkest, deepest sorrow is when we get to see this, this gentle, tender mm. side of God more than, than maybe we normally realize. Man. That is, wow, that is powerful. And I think what, when you were practicing this, this essentially what David did in Psalms or, you know, this idea of like lamenting and bearing it, bearing your soul before the Lord, doing all the ugly cry, yep, you know, letting him know all of your emotions um, because he can handle that. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you is what scripture says. And then in those, those, that, that uh, pivot, the, the butt right there in the middle, but I know this to be true about you. I think what that, that did is that allowed and invited God to come in and show you, yes, you're right. This is true. This is what I can do um, to meet you in this space. And I think that was so huge for you. I want every listener to hear that, to, to understand this concept of lament, spend the time to really pour your heart out to the Lord Yes, because there's no other way to be able to walk through layers of loss like Molly has layers of, I mean, Molly, I can't, I can't fathom the layers that you have. I mean, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And I keep using this phrase because when we went to, to counseling, this three week counseling thing, they had us do this timeline of all the loss that we had experienced in a certain, you know, time frame, like a 10 year period. And when you begin to write it all out, you go, Oh my gosh, that's a lot of loss. And lament is the only thing that can really help to yes. flush out some of those things so you don't carry the hurt from one loss into the next and into right. the next and it compounds and it perpetuates. And yes. I had heard this um, illustration of grief being like, uh, you know, a long, narrow mud puddle. And so mm. you can take the long way around yeah. and eventually get to the other side. Uh, and I, I wouldn't say get to the other side because, of course, I still grieve. Yeah, you know, right. the loss right. of my son, my mom. Absolutely. Um, and but if you are willing to go through the mud, that's right. 
you'll get to the other side faster. And yeah. I think sometimes we are so afraid to go through the mud because right. I'm going to be out of control. I'm going to cry uncontrollably. Mm. And one of the things I learned um, is this idea of a grief cup that, mm. you know, your your cup just gets filled with tears. But if, if like, they're going to come out, yeah. you know, they're going to come out somewhere. And wow. so it's important to grieve at home wow. in safe spaces, you know, so they don't come sloshing out all over. Man, that's great. So you, you spent some time really grieving and, uh, and lamenting and waiting. And um, was it tempting to begin to kind of like start making some compromises? You know, at first you were making some like negotiations with God at the very beginning of this whole story. And then it's like some more negotiations, some compromises, like, uh, maybe I should, maybe I should not have this, you know, this idea of this higher standard of a, of a man or what, like, what was that season like in, in terms of singleness? Um, did you find yourself going, okay, well maybe we can, or maybe yeah. we can. Well, so I got on Bumble, okay. which is something I never thought I would do. There you go. Um, I'm not familiar with Bumble. Is that like. It's one of those apps where hey. you swipe right. Hey, yeah. swipe right. Mm-hmm. It's not. Is it like the Christian? Is it a Christian dating app nope. or something? Just it straight was up just Bumble. Straight up Bumble. All right. Because I I thought like okay, this is you know this is how we do this. Now, yeah, of course. You know, and yeah. one of my friends like walked me through it. We talk about this all. Christy and I, when we first started dating, actually before we started dating, we had this conversation. where I was like, how do you date when you're thirty some yes. years? Like, how do you? And you've walked through all of this stuff. Yes. I remember she asked the question. I was like, well, you I could you could just go out on a date with me. You know. I was like, <laughs> Good answer. That's not actually what happened. That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't have the courage in that moment to do it. <laughs> well, so I um, I went out on some dates uh, via Bumble, and I decided like I it just wasn't my thing. It I, yeah. it just it wasn't working for me, and so I was like, well, I don't know. You know, I I was not feeling very great with my my opinion of men at the time. Mm. You know, just was not right high. Right. Um. And Understandably. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, that that's not really working. I'm going to go ahead and just get off of that. And mm. and I, and who knows? Who knows what, what God will do? Well, of course, the moment I get off that, one uh, girlfriend at my church, she's like, say, are you dating anyone? I was like, oh, gosh, here we go. You know, <laughs> it's like, no. Um, so anyway, she said, well, there's someone I want you to meet. And I I said, okay, well, tell me about him. She said, He's divorced. In my mind, I'm thinking, no. <laughs> he has two kids. No. He lives in Kentucky. No. Like three strikes against him. Right. But I mean, I, she thought highly of him. So mm. I, I said, well, you can let him, you know, introduce himself on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, I had full intentions to like, hey, nice to meet you. Peace out. Yeah, you know? right. Well, turns out, there was one fourth strike, which is she said, he was my high school boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be like, kidding what me. Are you doing right strike now? four. <laughs> no. But uh, anyway, I still still said yes for some some great reason. And uh, and so we started talking and um, he was he just changed my view of men. Mm. Um, he was talking about helping his daughters do their ballet buns for a ballet class. And I was wow. like, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, yeah. I was like, oh my goodness. You know, this is like the, the that's best That's complicated. Thing. I will tell you, the first time I tried to do Natalia's hair, 
I was like, what am I doing? I have no idea. I'd like YouTube it. And it oh. definitely wasn't as complicated as a ballet bun. Well, he does it better than I Props. do. I, I can admit that. Wow. So, yes. And, uh, you know, there, there were just these these attributes of him that I was learning, you yeah. know, that um, that were that were things that I had always wanted, mm. but I had maybe settled for, you know, and that's not to say um, that my first husband didn't have great qualities. You know, there mm. is a reason that I married right. him. Right. Um, but I found that God was restoring some of the things mm. that, that I had, you know, always wanted mm-hmm. um, in a spouse, you know, just in um, character and in interests and, mm. and things like that. And so um, it was just... Uh, really neat to to experience, um, you know, a man who was was pursuing me, um, yeah. and you know wasn't giving up easily. Which yeah. good for him because if he would have, it would have been over. You know, <laughs> I was I was wounded, right. um, and and he just kept um, being being like, take your time, it's fine. Mm. And I went on a date with another guy from Bumble. <laughs> and he was like, that's all right. You go have fun. You know, he wasn't staking any claim yet. And and then after the fact, I was like, okay, no, that, that wasn't going to work. He's like, okay, good, good. You know, but... No Bumble Boys. No, uh, but yeah. No way. But, um, you know, he was in a place where he could just, he he could let me do whatever I needed to do. Right. And that was really freeing mm. for me. Um, and so, wow. yeah. It was great. And so then we start we just started talking and doing the long distance thing for over a year. Man. And um I always said I would never do that, but apparently never say never. Yeah. And um so then um I moved to Kentucky and we got engaged and uh got married a few months later wow. and um and I am now in Kentucky with wow. two stepdaughters who I love. They're great and our five month old son. And um, as a bizarre side note is that, because uh, people always wonder like, well, were you afraid that, yeah. you know, this child was going to have the genetic disease that Tate had? And two things. Um, one was when when my ex-husband and I got the genetic results, mm-hmm. the woman giving us the results made the comment, you know, that it's a one in 70,000 chance that, that any two people's genetics would cause this to happen. Um, And, you know, so of course I'm like, what are the odds? Um, But she said, you know, if either of you were with someone else, you know, you're back to one in 70,000. And at the time I was irate, you know, because here I am married to this man. I'm like, why would you even say that to us? Like, you know, but I'm so glad that she did because Mm. then I had the knowledge that, you know, we, I yep. wouldn't have to be afraid. and um, But even still, I could see why someone might still just be afraid. Like, what if it happens right, again? Right. But God gave me a peace. That's all I can say is I just, there was this peace in my soul that he, that he wow. would be healthy. And, wow. um, and he is, he's a happy, spunky, chunky oh, little guy. Oh man. So, How old is he? Five months. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So what, wow. great. What a, a neat story of redemption. I mean, if you think about even the different elements where God lines these things up, right? So he restores to you a husband, two kids, and then a third. Yes. And you're seeing yourself now living out this dream that you thought was like the end all be all dream, but now with this, um, this new perspective Mm -hmm. on it, you know, realizing that had you had all that, then you would have never looked to the Lord. Right. 
to fill the things that really would, was driving that dream. Yes. And yes. it's, you know, I think sometimes people, you know, they want the happily ever after right. now, right. you know, and so I don't, I don't want to lead any listener on that life is perfect, mm. you know, that I've arrived. Um, you know, I, I joked with my sisters, I was like, I, I sort of thought that, you know, you know, it says that God blessed Job more in the second half of his life and, yeah. and Job had a lot of wealth and things. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I, I really thought God was going to make me wealthy <laughs> and he didn't, you know? And, and uh, so there, it's tempting to, right. to think like, well, God, wait a second. Like I went through all of that. Why are you not hmm. giving me all these other things, you know? Right. Um, but it's been incredible the things that he has given me in that, um, you know, even I had this this interesting stepmom relationship for a while, mm. not because of her, but because of me. And now I am a stepmom. Wow. And how he's used that, you know. And and so the thing that I'm realizing is, you know, in the midst of not knowing what the genetic com- component would be, um, you know, not getting to have another biological baby back when I was afraid that that was going to be my life, you know, I thought, God, why would you take this away? Because I can't have a biological child and I can't adopt, like what yeah. in the world? But but what I've learned is that God holds other pieces mm. that we can't even see. Yeah, that's so I good. saw these two pieces. Right. These were the only two possible options, mm. you know? And I had no idea that I was going to go through a divorce mm. still. And then remarry, right. you know, um, but God did. And mm. that's that I'm, and now I can look back. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, you knew, like you already knew yeah. all of this. And so, you know, even in the parts of my life where I'm still questioning, what are you doing, Lord? Mm. I remember that, remember Molly, he holds pieces that you don't see right now. Wow. That's great. And so, um, you know, people will ask, you know, do you wish that all of that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the pain was intense. It was, but I can, I can say that I, I like this version of me so much better. Yeah. I don't want to go back. I know things about God that I wouldn't know personally right. if it weren't for the pain, if it weren't, if I had stayed just in my comfortable, you know, if all my plans had gone as I had planned, um, and so it it's crazy, but the the suffering has become a blessing. Mm. Um, you know, I still grieve. Yep. I still grieve. Um, you know, Mother's Day is hard. Mm. It's hard for multiple reasons for yeah. me. But but I I wouldn't go back. I'm mm. still thankful for, for yeah. it. Right. We, you, you and I talked about beforehand that you read this, this book, The Path of Loneliness. And, um, one of the things that she mentions is that, is that she would never have asked to go through what she's gone through, but she also would never trade it for the world. Yes. And when I read that, I definitely didn't understand it. You know, I was maybe three or four months removed from my tragedy. Mm -hmm. I was like, God, I'm not there. I'm, I'm not there. Um, but somehow this woman who is years through her multiple tragedies, she's able to say this, would you, would you make my heart get to that place? Yeah. And, um, and what's, it's really paradoxical. It sounds so weird to say it out loud, but it is true. 
when we walk through this kind of suffering and these layers of loss, we would never have wished for this. But we also, we wouldn't trade what has come out of it. Right. And, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to even hear what God's been doing in your story and how he's been working in and through you, Molly. It's just, it's awesome. And um, thank you for, yes. for um, walking with that kind of resilience and, and letting God, opening yourself up to, to, to his work letting him write a really great story. Cause there's so many people that walk through this stuff and they're close their hearts off and they, God's like, Hey, I wanted to finish that story. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I am no one special. It, I think it comes down to a decision mm. and it's just the decision in the midst of our pain. Am I going to seek God or not mm-hmm. in this? And then once I seek him, I see that I can trust him. I yeah. see who he is, you know, but but it starts with that decision and that's the that's the one part we have control over. Right. Is will I seek him in this or not? Wow. That's so good. Molly, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for My sharing pleasure. your story. Thanks for sharing all the things that God has been teaching you. I'm sure there's so much more that God's been teaching you. Um, <laughs> we could talk for hours. <laughs> I know. Do you still blog? Where can people yes. follow you? Yeah. Yes, mollyhuffman.com. Okay. Um, and on Instagram, you can find me at mollhuff, M-O-L-H-U-F-F. That's awesome. Well, you guys, make sure you go and, and check out all of the stuff that Molly is putting out there right now. Um, I know it's wonderful. So thank you so much for... Uh, spend the time with us and sharing with us and, and being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Incredible interview. So thankful for Molly being with us. Mel, what did you what did you take away from that? One of my favorite things was um, just her growth of the gospel, like how mm. she uh, understood it on a more deeper level. And so yeah. like in the beginning, when she was talking about, um, I'm a good girl, so good things will happen to me when she was a little girl and she came to know Christ too. Um, I just saw this paradigm shift of like, mm-hmm. I don't serve Jesus or trust in the gospel for anything except to get Jesus himself. He is not a means to the end. That's he right. is the end. And I wow. think that that's a place where I'm always trying to grow and be as well. And so I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think there's so many times we'll find ourselves mm-hmm. in life where we're wondering like, God, why does it seem like you're withholding something from me? Why does it seem mm-hmm. like there's... And although it's a, it, it can be very painful classroom experiences for us, I think what God is trying to help us understand is that He is our satisfaction. He yeah. is our joy. Our portion. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, almost all of us, when we first come to know Christ, we slip into this mindset of like, oh like what you said, Jesus is kind of the means to the end. It's like he's our pathway to to get what we want. And sometimes the gospel is even communicated in that way. You know, mm-hmm. you can go to some churches or some settings where they'll communicate like that if you come to know Christ or if you give your life to him, then you're going to X, Y, and Z, right? There's going to be blessing. But the reality is, is he's the treasure. Yep. It's, it's him. And with him, if we have Jesus and we have nothing else, we have everything we need, but if we have everything else, we don't have Jesus, then we have nothing. Yeah. And so I just love that as we follow after Jesus, and unfortunately, sometimes the pathway of pain helps us understand this on a richer level, we all come to a fuller understanding of who God is and the gospel uh, story um, being woven into our lives. So it's really, really awesome. I um, love that. And it wouldn't be a proper 
nothing's wasted outro if we didn't give Ryan at sleeping at last um, some love. So thank you so much for providing the music on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We love it. You can find his work um, any place that music can be streamed. Um, you should go check that out. That's right. And we are going to be doing another topical kind of part two of this series. It's not another interview with Molly. It's an interview with someone else talking about this idea of lament. And so I want you to uh, hear this clip from our next episode, which is an interview with Aubrey Sampson, where she talks a little bit about her story and this idea of lament. My body was slowly falling apart and eventually Kevin said, we got to get you to the hospital. Like this is not normal. And I was diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disease. So that happened. Um, In the middle of that, um, we received the news that our youngest son had to have spinal cord surgery and he ended up flat on his back for, uh, we had to keep him flat on his back for three months and then he was in years of uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, which we're super grateful for all of those things. He, we are very privileged because we have great medical care mm. and he's doing amazing now. But that was such a huge stressor and a worry for him on top of what I was going through. And then on top of that, we were in a um, season of deep, deep grief because my cousin Cameron, who um, I grew up with in Texas, we were really really close, um, like brother and sister growing up. Um, Cameron was snowshoe hiking in Crater Lake National Park, Oregon. He stepped out onto a snow cornice and fell to his death. Oh my gosh. And um, that was actually in April of that year, but that week in October was when the park rangers said, we're so sorry, like we can't, we're not gonna be able to find his body. (sighs) And so it's been four years now and they still haven't found his body. Wow. And so, um, you know, my family was grieving, obviously. We were grieving, obviously. And so it was just like God was doing these incredible things, but then hell hit home. Mm. And, um, you know, I've been a Christian for over 30 years. And, you know, I know in seasons like this, we're supposed to like rise above and more than conquer and do all the Christian things you're supposed to do. But for the first time, I felt like my faith crashed to the ground. 